Hi, everyone. This is William Del Pilar, your conservative Latino and fantasy sports pioneer. And I'm Big John, overall hearty eater and guy with a big mouth. And tonight we have an NBA expert with us, Dennis Velasco, talks NBA hoops. Gentlemen, Frank Vogel, unjustly fired and made the scapegoat? Or was it time for change? The play-in's done, the field is set, and now the big boys get grooving and moving and Dennis breaks it down. And from there, it's showtime, baby. A review and discussion of HBO Max's series, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And let me introduce our guest here. Let's welcome again, Dennis Velasco, former writer at ESPN's True Hoop Network, the New York Times About.com, SB Nation's Nets Daily, and The Scores, The Basketball Jones. He's also been a contributor at Slam, Yahoo Sports, Hoops Hype, Sports Illustrated, and Fox Sports, and the current owner and CEO of DVHoops.com. He's a father, a fiance, and a coach. Everyone, welcome Dennis Velasco. Oh, what's up? Now, you know, with all that, uh, I think William forgot the most important part of your resume, OG Sports Grumblings columnist. That's right. You forgot that. With all that other nonsense, you forgot the most important one, William. Nonsense. (laughs) You know, ironically, Dennis, uh, the company that I was on the board on, we actually bought Hoops Hype. So at one time... Oh, okay. (laughs) One time, he, they worked for me. Well, not technically, but, you know, right. I just found it interesting. But let's get on with the show. Sure. And first of all, this is pretty much a Dennis show tonight. It's an all-NBA. The playoffs are, are, are coming around. But uh, before we get to the playoffs and the, the, the Nets, who I love to talk to Dennis about, let's talk to L.A. Lakers and Frank Vogel. He was unceremoniously fired uh, the moment the last game ended. Uh, the ESPN big wig came out with a tweet. He's fired. And Vogel himself had not been told yet. So first of all, what do you think of the firing, Dennis? And and we'll go from there. Um, the firing was inevitable. You know, the Lakers, they have such high standards. You know, they always win, baby. You know what I mean? They were horrible this season. So, you know, usually it comes down to the coach being fired and not the superstar. So Vogel being fired, you know, it, it was going to happen. Justified or not, that's another question. Was it justified, do you think? Nope. I don't think so. Yeah. They didn't give him the pieces. You know, when they won uh, the championship in the bubble and, you know, season afterward, they had the defensive role players. You know, this season, they, they got rid of guys like Alex Caruso just so they could bring in Russell Westbrook. You know, because Russell Westbrook brings like a hefty salary with him. And who brought him in? Was it Frank Vogel? Nope. (laughs) It was the GM. And I don't mean Palenka. I'm talking about LeBron James. (laughs) I'm sorry, William. I was going to say, how much do you think was Davis not really suiting up for most of it? How much did that impact it? I mean, look, it's a three-prong answer there as to why the Lakers stunk. Anthony Davis' injury is a big one, uh, definitely a big one. Uh, you know, LeBron James, this was his team. He wasn't accountable. He, he missed some games also. And Russell Westbrook's, you know, play style, pushing the ball, and all, he, 
Like a lot of, if you pay attention to basketball as far as it being played, it was going to be tough for Russell Westbrook uh, to mix in with the Lakers because he's such a high usage player. Right. And he has the ball in his hands so, so much. But now on the LeBron James team, LeBron James is going to have the ball a lot, not Russell Westbrook. So do you think it was a case where they needed LeBron and four sidekicks? Or is it more the Bulls model where you've got LeBron, maybe a Davis, and three sidekicks? Like, to, to, in your mind, when you have a LeBron, what's the perfect team to construct around him in terms of style in order to get over that hump? Because clearly, look, they had big names on that team. But like we've learned throughout history, just just throwing together big names, if they don't have that chemistry, that mesh, they're not going to go places. So it's 2020 right now. But how would you have built that team in terms of style? Right. Well, I mean, you 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 can't expect a team even with big names to win that first season. It, it never it never works. You know, it happened with the Brooklyn Nets. You know, when they had Harden, Irving, and Durant. Of course, there were injuries there. Um, it didn't work when the Lakers. With Shaq and Kobe brought in like Carmelo and Stephen, it, it doesn't work right away. You know, right. you do need that chemistry. And if you look at NBA champions since the 80s, you know, there's a basic formula with like few exceptions where you have two superstars or one superstar, one star, and a whole bunch of great role players, right? Um, so with the Lakers, you would have two superstars and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But then you have nobody else this season. You know, well, Russell Westbrook, of course, who is a star in this league at this point. Um, but it just, it just wasn't right in terms of like who's going to dominate the ball, you know? Because it's like I said, LeBron James's team. So what you're saying is one one star too many, maybe. It, definitely, I would have kept the role players that they won. Think about it, they won with just LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the stars and everybody else is a role player. You had your shooters, you have your defensive players, you know, it was just, you know, it, it just well, wasn't a good mix. Dennis, it's, it's, it was Vogel's job to bring in the style of play, the schemes, calling the plays, uh, diagramming them. What specifically failed though? Was it injuries or no chemistry? At the end of the day, Vogel was able to diagram them and use the players with LeBron in the role playing to win a championship. So what failed from the coach's perspective this year? All right. So, you know, particularly speaking as a coach also, yeah, it's the coach's job to call the plays and everything like that, but it's the GM's job to give me the players. You know, Vogel is known as a defensive coach. They did not play defense. Because they didn't have the players that played. Defense. Right. Okay. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So, and, you know, when your best defender, who's Anthony Davis, is injured, you know, whatever, it's not going to work. Uh, LeBron James, you know, another one of your better defenders, he was hurt for like, you know, 20 some games, you know, so he just didn't have the horses. And Russell Westbrook is not playing defense at all. So you don't even have to worry about that. Okay. So with Vogel gone now, uh, who are they looking at? I know Quinn Snyder was one. LeBron has mentioned Mark Jackson. Is Mark Jackson? I love Mark Jackson. He's my kind of coach. I was bun when the, the Golden State fired him years ago, and I believe Kerr won that first championship with Mark Jackson's team, really. So uh, what do you make of LeBron talking about Mark Jackson, Quinn Snyder having second thoughts because of their treatment, of uh, uh, how they treated Vogel, and, and how do you see that playing out, I guess? 
Well, with Mike Jackson, you, you're getting a, a coach that demands respect automatically um, in the locker room. He played in the NBA for a long time. I think he's like number three in career assists. Um, great coach if you like ISO play. So, you know, the main reason why he was cut from Golden State, other than him being too religious, actually, was his style of play where he would just go ISO ball with like Steph Curry all the time or, you know, Clay Thompson, which was the exact opposite of how Golden State won all their championships by moving the ball. Um, so the reason why Mark Jackson isn't or hasn't been a coach since then, because his style of play is just old. You know, it's not new. It's not about moving the ball. It's not about spacing. It's not about, uh, you know, taking three-point shots. You know, it's like, all right, give our best player the ball, clear out. It, it's not going to work in today's NBA. So that's the reason why he's not. Um, some other coaches you hear about are Doc Rivers, Jawan Howard, Quinn Snyder, like you said, but they, they all are under contract. So if you want to look at uh, possible and actually available coaches, you have to look at someone like Darvin Ham, who's an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, a great player, uh, a veteran, you know, in terms of having played in the NBA. And one of the things that players like about him is that he tells you the truth, whether you're a veteran or a rookie. Um, so I would say he should be at the top of the list, um, you know, if you want to look at internal candidates, I've always loved Phil Handy, but he's more of a development coach. Uh, he, and he's another one that's a straight shooter. But with the Lakers, it's the Lakers. <laughs> They're going to need a big name, you know? And, you know, a lot of it is going to be determined by what LeBron James says. On his, Look, LeBron James is never, ever going to say, yes, I want this coach. Because he said, yes, I want Russell Westbrook. And that blew up in his face, Right. So you're not going to get any indication from LeBron James besides what you've heard already is like, yeah, you know, if you brought in Mark Jackson, I'd like it. He's not going to push for Mark Jackson, you know, outside, you know, to the media, but we'll see it, who, and honestly, who wants that job with the way their roster is right now? It's, it's so tough, you know, because you're going to get Russell Westbrook. He's definitely going to take his player option you know, for $47 million. There's no <laughs> way he's going to say no to that because he's not getting a multi-year deal, deal from anybody. Um, you know, and you got LeBron, you got AD. They're in there for like 40-something. You know, LeBron James, he can actually sign an ex two-year extension this offseason for $100 million, you know, but there's an indication that he's not going to do that. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm actually like crapping in my pants getting that news because then that's saying that LeBron doesn't believe in the roster that they have right now going into next season. And yet that was kind of the team that he wanted around him, especially with Russell Westbrook also as well, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. And that's why you got to, yeah, look, you got to put it to the King. You know what I'm saying? You got to put it on the King on this one. Definitely. Oh, I think everybody does. Uh, LeBron has become a polarizing figure. Michael Jordan was also polarizing, but there was never any question of his basketball acumen. So, but let's move on to Russell Westbrook real quick. Uh, you did mention him. He has a $47 million con dollar contract option that he'll pick up. I read a report that maybe the Pacers have interest with him. And he was a 65th 
rated player out of 66 in shooting efficiency with at least 500 attempts. He said, and this is a quote, I was never given a fair chance to be who I needed to be to help this team. Did he make Vogel the scapegoat or is he just in denial? I mean, what do you make of that comment? Well, he did scapegoat Vogel, which is bullcrap. Um, but he's also right in saying that they didn't use him correctly. You know, he could have helped the team, but he needed the ball in his hands. That's how he's, a, you know, a high usage ball dominant player. And again, you're not going to get that on a LeBron James team. Um, as far as the Pacers go, I think that would be great for the Pacers um, because he's an expiring contract. You have two young guards in Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte, who you could build on. They could learn from Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they get rid of um, like a, a Malcolm Brogdon, right? Uh, or and a, and a Buddy Heald. So you get those two out by using Russell Westbrook's contract, which expires. Brogdon and Heald have multiple years left, right? You get rid of them. So they're not going to stifle Halliburton and Duarte's development over years. So it'd be perfect, I think, for the Pacers. And, you know, maybe you sell some extra tickets because you have Russell Westbrook. Is Russell Westbrook that type of name in the NBA that he can actually sell tickets? Oh, yeah. I, I still know a lot, a lot of like kids, too, that love Russell Westbrook because they remember him for his triple-double seasons. You know what I mean? I, he could slam the ball. Um, would it stifle, you know, Halliburton and Duarte's development? Maybe because, again, Russell Westbrook is a ball-dominant uh, point guard. But – if he accepts like, you know what, this is my last year to actually do something because I don't have a contract for next year. Let me show them that I can help develop young kids and maybe get a multi-year contract somewhere else. So Russell Westbrook still has a bright future if it's a twilight of his career, regardless. Then. If he accepts his role that he can't be who he has been completely, he can be half of what he's been and still be probably more effective, to be honest with you. Okay, what about Lakers management? Now, they won the championship, but it was in the bubble. And I say but it was in the bubble. It's a championship regardless. But the critics will go straight to, well, it was in the bubble, short in season, yada, yada, yada. When you look at Lakers management, especially since Jerry Buss died, they've, they've literally always been up and down. They've had, they've had their share of losing seasons since, since, since Showtime's run, but they've also had a few championships and they've had a few good runs with Kobe and Shaq, et cetera. But how do you view current Lakers management? Is this a subpar management with Jeannie Buss in her inner circle? And squelch the talk. Is this bubble championship legit or not? Or do the critics actually have uh, something to say and that maybe has a little truth? Okay, so I'll address the bubble first. Uh, every single team had the same chances as the Lakers to win that championship in the bubble. There you go. So yeah. it's legit. You know, they won. <laughs> it's a legit championship. I don't care what anybody says. Every team was in the same position as them. So to me, that's dumb when people say that. Uh, and if they ever said it to my face, I punched them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like Jeannie Bus goes, I mean... She listens to Kurt Rambis's wife. Uh, That's why I asked. <laughs> Kurt Rambis's wife doesn't know anything about basketball other than she married a basketball player. Um, you know, it all started actually after um, Dr. Buss died. He put uh, Jeannie and 
uh, her brother Jim in control. He let Jim handle the basketball operations, but he gave Jeannie uh, the right to fire him if he was doing some stupid stuff, which he did. Um, as far as the current one with like Rob Palenka, I mean, he got that job because he was Kobe Bryant's agent. Everybody knows this. Uh, does that mean he doesn't know basketball? No, that not at all. But it's he's never was a GM before that. You know what I mean? And being a GM, just like with any job, there's nuances, you know, there's networking that you need. And he was, you know, the enemy because he was an agent. You think other GMs are actually going to try to really help him? I was just going to say that does not sound like an appropriate uh, resume for a GM. Like, hi, I was an agent. So, I mean, you, you spent your whole professional career looking out for the sole interest of the player, not the team. Right. Not the owners, right? Which is your job as an agent. Now you're in the position where you're allegedly working on behalf of the team against the players in some cases. Seems like way too much of a mentality shift uh, for someone to be effective, at least initially. Like, I'm not saying it's not possible, but to do it. And, and yeah, that seems a little. Yeah. It seems to go hand in hand with uh, Kurt Rambis's wife. You know, the, you have a GM that maybe shouldn't have been there. And, and like you said, it's not that he's not qualified, but there were there's probably a 99% chance there were more qualified candidates than him, along with uh, Rambis's wife. I can see why people would look at it like a soap opera. So, so the final question before wait, we wait, hold on. on a second. Wait, hold on, hold on. Real quick. I need to know more about Rambis's wife. What's going on with her and Jeannie Buss? I, I, you guys just tossed that out <laughs> like I should know what it means. I don't, to be honest with you. So well, tell me about it. I, down, I know how your mind down. works, John. It's not like that. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. You just burst John's bubble. <laughs> yeah. But so you the won the championship in that bubble, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah, but so, seriously, though, what, what what's up? Is there, like, she gets in her ear? What's going on? Yeah, yeah she just gets in her ear because they're, like, best friends. And, you know, it's like, it, it, all right, so let's say I'm an expert at uh, running a basketball team, right? And, you, you know, you're my friend, John, but, you know, you, don't really, you haven't really watched basketball lately. No. And you're telling me, you know what? You should get this player. And, and it'd be like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm going to try to get that player. Just because like you, who yeah. hasn't watched basketball in like years, told me to. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's, it's not good. And by the way, the wife of a guy whose main job with the Lakers was to get the ball after the other team scored and give it real fast to Magic Johnson. That was like Rambus's oh, own job. No, 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 no. You Rambus was a hell of a You can't devalue him like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Rambus was a hell, hell of a player, uh, defensive uh, player. Yeah. He was the, uh, the the goon on the team. He was the grunt. Yeah. He was the grunt. Yeah. He was yeah. like yeah. the Bill Lambeer, but yeah. But John, he was, I mean, he was like, great at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Great but John, Rambus's wife is like in politics, the inner circle, where they don't have that assigned job. They're just somebody that person trusts. The problem is, as Dennis says, that person should at least have some kind of knowledge versus, well, I just like, I, I love the way he does his hair. Why don't we bring him on in? Yeah, right. <laughs> so the final question before we move on, Dennis, two-parter, can they come back to dominance? And do you think, will they come back to dominance? It's the Lakers. They can come back to dominance. It's just a matter of when. I don't think it's anytime soon. Uh, you know, the closest draft pick that they can trade is uh, depending either 2026 or 2027. You know, in the NBA, there's this thing called the Stepien rule 
where you can't not have a first round pick in back to back years. So because they gave away uh, the right um, to the Pelicans to take a pick one year, I think it's, it's either the 2024 or the 2025 pick that the Pelicans can take just outright. The stepping rule comes in. So depending on when the Pelicans actually take it, the first draft pick, the first round draft pick the Lakers can trade is 2026 to 2027. You're going to have to trade that pick if you want to get like, uh, you know, if you're going to do like the Russell Westbrook trade to the uh, Pacers, you know, because the Pacers aren't just going to want Russell Westbrook. They're going to want, look, give me your first round pick for taking a Russell Westbrook off your hands. So, you know, I think if they did that, it'd be great. Uh, you know, I, I hear that the other possibility is also buying Russell Westbrook out once he takes his player option. And if they do that, then that'll be around $15 million over the next three years on their salary cap. They just got out of the, out of the Lugo Deng uh, buyout. You know, uh, this past season was the last season for the $5 million hitting their salary cap. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to take, you know, some maneuvering. But it's the Lakers, and, you know, they're always going to have some shine. My worry is, if I'm a Lakers fan, is LeBron James is not signing his extension in the offseason. This might be the last year LeBron James plays with the Lakers. And depending on who they bring in and how they play, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron's like, trade me during the season. You know, it's like, our team is going nowhere. You know I'm a free agent. You should get some value while you can because I'm not resigning here for 2024. That's a great point. And, and I said that was the last question, but but I did see a report where James said he would love to play with Curry over at Golden State. Uh, Why what are the odds of something like that happening? No. And, and is that a reason maybe he doesn't want to sign that two-year extension? Well, no, it can happen if he takes the vet minimum. But <laughs> that's not going to happen. Not just because his agent, you know, Rich Paul will say, don't do that. But the Players Association will also say, don't do that. Right. They don't want to set a precedent where it's like, oh, yeah, th this superstar who can be like Tom Brady and play into his 40s, you know, he's going to take the vet minimum and average 30 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. You know, Players Association is going to go for that. I have to tell you something. It's really interesting to me, the machinations that go outside of the court, you know, like in baseball and, and football, and I guess to hockey to some extent, but not as much, obviously. Like the salary cap comes into play, but it's not like you have to have almost a, a college degree in capology to, to get through life. You know what I mean? If you're an NFL or MLB GM or an NHL GM. In basketball, there's all this weird nonsense that goes into it. Step-in rule. What'd you call it? The step-in rule? Yeah, the step-in uh, rule. Uh, he was the owner of the Cavaliers who would trade like consecutive first round picks yeah. just to get players. Yeah. And and it was like, I, you can't do that. Which by the way, I see nothing wrong with. And then yeah. you also have the, uh, the exceptions to the cap, like the Larry bird rule yeah. and the max, the max yeah. bet rule. It's, it's like, it's almost like the cap is meaningless that, and it seems to me like, let me off topic, but, I want this answer from you. Do you think they're better off just going to a hard cap and get rid of, getting rid of all the nonsense? Like just make it more like the NFL cap. You, you know, you have a hard limit. If you want to do a signing bonus and uh, spread that out, but then you have dead money and things like that, or are they better off doing what they're doing right now? As a I actually, I, honestly, I love what they do right now, you know, okay. because like the technically there is a hard cap, but then if you go over it, 
then you get the luxury tax. So it's really not a cap. So it's really not a cap. Yeah. And then if you do it over a certain number of years, you get the repeater. Uh, the repeat uh, tax. offender tax, right? Yeah. And, and that kills you because that's like, you know, for every dollar you spend, it's actually $4. <laughs> well, here's you know? the bottom line. The, uh, as a marketer, and I was privy, I was blessed when I built my company. I got to meet so many people and learn so much. Basketball is the one sport that looks at it from a marketing and revenue generating uh, scenario. That's why they're so open to gambling. That's why they were thrilled that Shaq was going to go to LA. So, so that's why, in fact, one of the salary cap rules was made back then because I believe Shaq in the money and the cap. So, so they do that for the, not necessarily the comp competitiveness of the teams against one another, but for the greater whole of the league. Now the caps were put in place and Eddie DeBartolo is partially to blame for that because he had an open bank account and that with Joe Montana and the teams, they would just always be fielding championship teams. So they wanted it to be more competitive. And finally, regarding uh, the cap, uh, Dennis is absolutely correct. It doesn't matter what league you're in, the players association will frown. They don't frown. They probably go to your house. Do not set this precedent. Your your contract is now the base contract for every other superstar. So the players association uh, views it as every time a, a new number is set, that becomes the base. And anything that can potentially lower that, they are extremely against. So even though James says what you would never say but if he said yeah i'll take the vet minimum every everybody that is involved in the business of basketball would say no exactly any last words dennis on the lakers vogel situation Well, well let me say this about uh the luxury tax and i've always you know said this the the nba luxury tax is like the english language right you got one page of rules and like 99 pages of exceptions. So, you know, there you go. Exactly, exactly. I love, I love that analogy. Yeah. I People don't realize that. English language is one of the hardest to learn. Yeah. Oh, ab- 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 absolutely. Well, who was it? Uh, George Bernard Shaw that said, if you follow the rules of English, you would spell fish. That's right. H-I-T-I-O. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, G-O-T-I, fish. G-O-T-I, that's it, that's right, fish. that's right, there you go. Um, and if you think about it, he was right. But I love that analogy. That's oh, yeah, analogy. yeah. yeah good, good analogy. I'm a okay. genius. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we bring you on, brother. Okay, let's get to the playoffs. Now, getting back into basketball, into sports, after being involved uh, for so long, I find it fascinating. I thought it was myself only. I, I, I wasn't being myopic. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. But it appears basketball land is really intrigued with the 76ers and the Nets and the trade. And now both teams are the, in the playoffs. And, and doing a little research on James Harden, you know, he's posted some elite assists. He's averaging 10 and a half points per game over the past 21 games. However, he's only averaging 21 points Per game now that's a career low for him and it's a very small sample is that enough for the Sixers to make a deep run and some say that Harden's lacking burst since joining Philly and we heard some of this when he was it with the Nets before being traded what do you make about this what's your analysis of it all uh, I just think James Harden doesn't give an F anymore <laughs> honestly he you know he's going to the hall of fame 
you know, obviously he wants to win a title because he kept, you know, he's been like, train me to Brooklyn, train me to the Sixers. I want to win a title. Um, he wants to. And look, I don't see James Harden day to day. I don't know him from Jack. But from the outside, it looks like he wants to win a title, but he doesn't want to put the work in to win a title. You know what I mean? There's, there's, you know, that's a big difference. I mean, you lose a big game, you go to the strip club like an hour later. You know, it's so James it's, Harden is a Gen Gen Zer. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a Gen Zer, but if he's not like Kobe, Kobe, you know, lost the game, he would literally be in his pajamas at you know on the Lakers home court shooting free dust. You know what I mean? Like literally, that's what he did. Oh, and he, and he was in a robe shooting free dust. All those old school guys, they lost the game or during the game, they they kill you like Jordan, the mm. bird uh isaiah all those yeah. guys all those old yeah. school 80s and 90s guys would would rather kill you than give an inch to you yeah uh, uh, so i agree yeah. with you his lack of um like you're right he wants to win but it's almost like he thinks it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time almost it's like i i think william made this point last time i think he's unwilling to put a team on his shoulders really and make them better in order to win the title i think he's just sort of like Hey, give me the ball as often as you want. I'll shoot it, and 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 then we're done. You know, like like you said, he doesn't contribute on the defensive end at all. Um, and and lately, you know, he hasn't been as healthy, and he hasn't been as as effective scoring. So, is it like greatness, a, gentlemen? Greatness. Yeah, you're Michael right. Jordan, He's not Kobe great. Bryant. Greatness. James Harden is a great player, but doesn't epitomize the greatness of champions. I, I think that's that, that's what we're all trying to say. Now that said, if he could sit, he could turn it around by coming through in this playoff series and put an icing on the cake, and then take his big old contract next year, and then do what he wants. But if he doesn't, he's going to go down as another Charles Barkley, great player who couldn't win a championship in the Hall of Fame. But the difference is Barkley's got personality and we all love him. At least I do. I love Barkley. He's my favorite player of all time. I was going to say, you can't compare James Harden to Charles Barkley like that. Well, we know. In terms of the championship. Yeah, but but, personality, we're good. Yeah, but I was also going to say there's other reasons why you you loved uh, Charles Barkley. Let's be honest there. uh, Oh, yeah, because he didn't give an F. He's like, I am not a role model. Well, he literally he, said that in the commercial. Well, before threw a guy through a bar window, spit on a on a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, well, also before you before you grew back your hair, you kind of might have been oh, yes. with a 34 jersey on your back. Yeah. I've seen you on the court with the 34 jersey. That's you looked right. a little like the round mound of Filipino rebound over there. You know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's Come true, on, man. man. I got okay. I jerseys, man. I still got a jersey t-shirt from when he was at the Sixers in the 80s. And that's about 40 years ago. I still have that t-shirt. You just gotta yeah. learn to, you gotta learn to talk slowly and with an Alabama drawl. That's terrible. <laughs> exactly, that was good. I like that one, you're right. <laughs> okay, so Dennis, talk to me about the Nets. Uh, will we see Ben Simmons during this playoff run? I mean, obviously there's no right or wrong answer, but what do you think? Do you think there's a good chance we'll see him finally? We are gonna see him uh, in this series. Um, they're targeting uh between game four and game six you know um so we're gonna see ben simmons how effective will he be i don't know but our reports from the nets are he's like looking really good in practice he has some swag you know in practice uh someone said that he's walking around the gym like he's jordan 
uh, but not like in a in a in a bad way. Like, oh yeah, I, I want to be like Jordan, but in right, a way right. like he's ex- exuding confidence. He's dominating. You know what I mean? Uh, of course, right. not offensively, but defensively. I mean, that's what he's known for. And that's what um, they need. And- well, the yeah. thing too is he'll have fresh legs. I mean, these players have been have a sport like baseball, basketball, and hockey, and football because of the pounding. But those are sports of attrition. The healthiest team, and to get somebody like Simmons back, I can. You're the expert, but but he's a defensive player. But even on that side of the ball, having those fresh legs, I, I assume are, is going to make a big difference. Oh, it's going to make a huge difference. You know, it's just like you want to make sure that. His back injury, which is, you know, what extended him, you know, his absence uh, is clear. And all indications are his back is feeling like so much better, um, which is good. And, you know, just as a joke, you know, Stephen A. Smith, who like I love and hate, he was like, Ben Simmons, you have not played basketball since last year. How did you mess up your back? We need to know. <laughs> you got some freaky dicky stuff going on. I don't know, Ben, but you know, God bless you. But Just you come know, back healthy. But you know what? It's important that to realize that when you have back problems, it's almost like you never get rid of them. That's right. The, the back is one of the trickiest injuries because, like, even if you don't have like a broken or a cracked vertebrae or something, uh, those discs, the way it aligns, the the nerves in that area. You never know. You could be great for six weeks and then all of a sudden for no reason, getting up out of bed or something, your back goes out and then you can't get right. And I mean, Simmons was getting epidurals as 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 recently as what, four to six weeks ago, he was getting epidurals. And for yeah. people that don't know, epidurals are like what they give women who are giving birth. Okay. Yeah. It's supposed to, it just numbs you out entirely. And if you've known people that have had that type of injury, you could be fine one day and then oh man, I can't even move the next day. So I'm I'm really, really like stoked to see Simmons come back. It makes my Nets futures bet look a lot better when he does come back, by the way. Uh, But uh, honestly, even if they say he's back, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be keeping an eye out to see if he's 100% really. Like it's one thing not to be in pain. And it's another thing to be like, am I going to drive? Am I going to, you know, now I, 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 I take you at your word, Dennis, that you're hearing that he's he's got swag, he's looking good, he's ready to go. Fingers crossed, man. I yeah. mean, I'd like to see that team perform at optimal uh, and make that East really because look, I mean, at that point, then you've got the Nets, the Bucks, the the Sixers, and, and even the Heat, right? Like uh, nobody's talking about the Heat because they've got no superstars really, right? right. But right. but. Oh man, that East looks good. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the East and seeing how that plays out. The, yeah. the well, thing with- I, I will I will say this: the Nets have like one of the best medical staffs in the whole league. Um, so I have faith that they'll do something uh, to make sure that he's comfortable. Um, you know, not always shooting him up with epidurals, of course, but you know, with sports science and the equipment and training methods that are available to athletes nowadays. You know, I'm hoping that it's not a recurring injury, but I'm a Nets fan. So I just have to have faith in that. <laughs> the, the thing about the back is even the Mayo Clinic, when they take you under and cut that back open, they never guarantee because right. to this day, even when they think they know what it is, they they themselves won't guarantee it because the back is so tricky. One reason they probably held Simmons out so long is 
because too many times, hey, I feel good and they do feel good. And five steps later, they tweak it. So they probably want to avoid that completely. And to add to John's concern, he may be back 100% then just twist that wrong way and boom. And the back is still one of those things that science is still trying to learn and understand. You know, let's get back to the 76ers, though, Dennis, uh, before we go on to some of the other playoff games, because we're all wanting to see a, a potential Nets 76ers game. When I was uh, checking out, you know, the injuries, etc., I came across uh, something very interesting. Well, first of all, they're playing the Raptors. The Raptors have beat them eight out of ten times, including once this past month. I don't know if James Harden was on the court that game, but Matisse, and how do you pronounce this? Thibault? Thibault. Thibault. He's unvaccinated. And in Toronto, they're still playing the New York City game. If you're unvaccinated, you can't play. How is that going to affect that series? It's going to be a big factor when they play in Toronto because Toronto has some scores. You know, you have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Anunobi, Norman Powell, you got the rookie Scotty Barnes, and someone like Matisse Thibault would have gotten three of those five, but now he's not, <laughs> not when they play in Toronto. Uh, so it's going to be tough. I mean, that's honestly going to be a big loss. You know, one of the players that the Nets wanted back was Matisse Thibault because he's such a significant player on defense. So the Sixers, they, they better win all the games in Philly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So speaking of the Sixers, they really haven't been able to replace and find a solid backup for Joe Embiid. Well, now, once you hit the playoffs, you're not playing the scrubs. Every game is competitive. Can Joe Embiid handle literally as many minutes? as? Because I'm sure if they had their way, he, he wouldn't come out the court. Can he handle a grueling, long playoff season? That's going to be tough because I think for his career, he averages like 32 minutes or something like that. Same thing in the playoffs. He does not average a lot of minutes. He's not going to play like what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been playing lately, 40 plus minutes. You know, there's just, just no way MB can do that because he's not always in the best of shape. <laughs> you know, and even when he has been, he's always had some injury come up. Um, so it'll be tough. Uh, and I think the only time he's ever played 36 minutes in the playoffs in the postseason, they were limited in the first round. So, you know, <laughs> well, why not even matter? It reminds me of college when that star player would go on the bench and then the philosophy, it's not like anybody told us this, but you could sense the philosophy of the team was like, let's not let them whittle down our 20 point lead, the two, let's let them whittle it down to 10. So is that how the 76 are going to try to play that, those scenarios with them on the bench? I mean, they, they might, might not have a choice. And, you know, when he comes off, I looked at the advanced stats, you know, they're like a minus eight without him per like 100 possessions or something like that. So so it's you know, it, it, it's significant. And, you know, when you bring in his backup now, uh, DeAndre Jordan, he's not even good defensively like he used to be anymore, you know. So he gets your rebound still, but he wasn't getting – he's not getting your rebounds like Andre Drummond was. I mean, Andre Drummond had the highest, you know, rebound percentage on the team, even over Joel Embiid. So, you know – Joel Embiid, I don't know if, if he needs an epidural on his back or whatever, but <laughs> he's going to have to make sure he stays on the court, you know, as long as possible. 
No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, Dennis, are there any intriguing uh, first round uh, uh, contests that, that, that we should take notice of and watch a potential upset or, or, or anything out of the ordinary? Well, the one that I'm actually excited about watching is uh, the Grizzlies versus the Timberwolves, because you have probably the top two freak athletes on the court in Anthony Edwards and John Moran. Now, you know, if we see them going up and down and you're going to see some crazy dunks, uh, both of them like right now and even like in the past 20 years are probably the best in-game dunkers um, over, you know, defenders ever like in the past 20 years um that's going to be exciting to watch another exciting one uh to me will be the warriors and the nuggets um because both teams i think are very likable because of their players like i love uh steph curry as a lot of people do and you know Jokic, you gotta love Jokic. everybody loves the big fat guy doing the things that he does and he's like all right so let me i know we're not talking about the mvp but, you know, a lot of people say Joel Embiid, you know, he led the league in scoring, you know, uh, as a center for the first time since Shaq, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jokic. Did it all. 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists, was the first ever right. to do it. Right. So, you talking about the fat guy? Yeah. I would vote him for MVP. You can't so go why is that? Why is that? Did you sense an affinity with him is what you're saying? Oh, always, but the I mean, fact, you just look at the, the numbers. Fact, he's the first ever to first ever yeah. to do it in the uh, history. And also, game. he's 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 a he's a big man, right? He's not mm-hmm. like a, a small forward, like like he's he's not LeBron or or, or even Giannis to some extent, uh, right. putting up those numbers. He's he's a dumpy white guy, and he's got size. So, you know, he's got every. Well, would he be the one player you would start with if you were building a team based on oh, what you God. see today, stats-wise? Because he he's no. got the assists, he's got the rebounds, he's got the scoring, he's got the size. Now, honestly, if I was starting a team, I would take Giannis every single time because Giannis is just he's the Greek freak. You know, he, he can get to the room whenever he wants. I thought I had that trademarked. No, no, you're just a freak. Oh, but uh, Giannis can get to the hoop whenever he wants defensively he's a monster right. you know black shots steals he, he does it all uh and he's just so fluid and it's not like um he's a big like muscular guy like he's he's a thin well no he's gained muscle but he's still basically a thin player that can get up and down the court i would choose him every single time because all you need to do is put shooters around him which is what they've done like chris middleton Daru holiday right you know I mean? um i would start a team with him um, of course, if you're talking about like players in their prime, I would always take LeBron James first. Yeah, but, no, I'm saying for right now. Oh, Giannis easily. I'd always take him um, because he he just does. He makes a big impact on your team on both sides of the court, offensively and defensively. And, so, and I was going to say the thing I also like about both those guys. I mean, I all joking aside, I probably start with Giannis too. But between him and Jokic and other guys like them. Like the thing I like is there's no drama with them. No, oh yeah, like zero no. drama. And, yeah. and like you look at someone like Giannis. Every time I'm on the internet, there's always some clip of him like going to some school or taking off his sneakers and giving them to kids who are his yeah. fans or some yeah. you know take off his jersey after the game and he's like this 
he looks like he's still a kid is what i'm trying to say he almost oh, you know like definitely. at heart that he's still a kid I don't know if it's that, John. I think as we get older, too, I think all three of us would agree that we like to see players like that to do yes. more than just it's just it's he's giving back in a way, you know, yeah. it's yeah. we grew up with the mean Joe Green Coke commercial and that hit us. I mean, that won awards and it was yeah. about here, kid, a beat up mean Joe Green. And I was the Steelers. That was my team. But Dennis, you kind of answered my next question of, of the teams at the handicappers have given no shot by, by talking about the Nuggets and Timberwolves. So you, you, you believe there's a chance they could pull like an upset and do more than what the handicappers are saying then? Well, no, I, well it's, it's more that I, like, it's going to be good games, you know, um, you know, Steph Curry's coming back. They're saying for game one, so it's going to be good games. Um, you know, I, I think a really good, if you want to talk about a really good series, that's going to be a fight. It's going to be the Nets and the Celtics. You know, I think that's yeah. going to go seven games. I think either team can win. Um, even if Simmons comes back, you know, healthy and does what he does, it's still going to be tough. The only advantage the Nets have is that Robert Williams, uh, the Celtic center, is not playing because he's injured. Um, but it's still going to be tough. I mean, Jason Tatum is, I would say, first team All NBA, and he's just like, you know, really you know, solidifying that he's a superstar in his league. That's got to be one of the worst matchups for a number two seed when you're playing the number seven or eight. I mean, the yeah. number seven to have that. What about, okay, John mentioned the Miami Heat. They're not getting a lot of respect. I don't know if it's not respect as much as the pub is going to different teams and different players. But do you think they're getting the respect or do you think it's what I just said? It's just pubs on the other players and, and they are getting the respect. All right, so they're probably not getting the media coverage respect, but around the league, trust me, they respect the Heat. Uh, you know, great defensive team. Uh, they have the sixth man of the year in Tyler Harrow. Jimmy Butler is just always a beast. You know, Bam Adebayo, I told you, you know, defensive right there. Uh, it's not a team to sleep on. You know, it's just that they're kind of boring in that they just do what they do. They're just so effective, you know? So it would be wrong for anyone to, like, just, like, look over them. Can they go deep? I think oh they gosh, go yeah. Deep. yeah, number one. Seed. I think they can definitely go deep, and you know, uh, you know, Spolstra, Spo, fellow Filipino, uh, great coach. He was actually, you know, for the 75th anniversary team, he was in the top 10 coaches of all time, which is crazy to me because he's still so young. Right, uh, I would put him in top 15, maybe, but not top 10. But I mean, he's a great coach. So yeah. when you so when you look at it. Right. First of all, do you think it's a team like Denver or Phoenix that's coming out of the West to win it all? Phoenix is gone. Look, I think Phoenix is going to win the whole thing. Okay. So you, that's your odds on favor right now is Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they have the championship team or, or the team that went to the finals last year still together. You know, okay. yeah. Uh, CP3, one of the best point guards of all time. Devin Booker, you know, a lot of NBA players are saying that you know, he's kind of building up to being like Kobe, mm. you know, uh, they just, and you have Michael Bridges right up there for defensive player of the year. It's a, it's a great team. They got the role players. It's perfect. I think so they're going to win. The so you've got All Phoenix right. in, the, in the, I'm sorry, you've got Phoenix in the finals. Yeah. Who were they beating in the finals? The Bucks. They're getting a revenge. To I'll tell you why the Bucks and, you know, I would love to say the Nets winning the whole thing, but the Bucks have done it before. You know, they basically have the same team together. Uh, Giannis is great. 
uh, Drew Holiday, awesome. Chris Middleton, awesome. Bench players, it's just, it's, it's, they're too good. So I think it's going to be the same finals as last year, just a, a different winner. I'm sorry, you're saying the Suns will win it then, right? I'm saying the Suns will win the whole thing. Well, yeah. They've been playing with attitude, and uh, that was one of the questions. If you see a rematch, and you do see it, so you're saying Chris Paul gets his first ring then? Yes, thank goodness, because I've always liked Chris Paul. I'm like you know, because I'm short, I've always loved point guards. Uh, CP3 is one of my favorites, so like I hope he gets the ring. Like I don't want it to be like I was a big Patrick Ewing fan, and he never won a ring, and you know. Yeah, I wasn't a Union fan. I was happy to see that. But I felt bad when Barkley didn't win it. You know, oh, you know, man. You know it's, and then he, I remember he went, he actually did um, what others do, you know, trying to win for a, a few different teams, trying to win it. And I just felt bad. Great player, great player. So right. we're going to bring Dennis back for more playoff talk as the playoffs uh, keep moving forward. But right now, let us shift to Showtime and the series on HBO Max, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Now, it's about the book Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasties of the 1980s by Jeff Perlman. Now, I lived that era. meaning That was my era watching basketball. And I stopped following basketball for a long while. I just thought it was not fixed, mafia fixed, but fixed by the NBA. Just always wanted the Lakers in. But those... And it wasn't just the Celtics and Lakers. People don't realize the 80s. It was the Pistons. You know, then the Bulls started to come along. I mean, that was basketball to me with the peak stars. Now, I'm going to ask some questions here, but I don't have HBO Max, and I haven't watched the series, and I probably won't. But I do know Big John mentioned it to me. He was all excited, you know, like a yeah. kid with his first Playboy, you know. And then when I asked you about it, you're like, of course I've been watching that, you know. So, first of all, what do you think of the cast? A couple of questions. John C. Riley to me, looks like Jerry Buss. What are your thoughts on, on his role so far? Well, hold on. Let me just break in. You mentioned teams about the 80s. Let's give our props to the Dr. J-led Philadelphia 76ers yes. winning it in the early 80s, okay? Right, well, no, he I love Dr. J from the ABL. He was actually one of the first loves, and because he had lost the first, the previous year, I believe, and, yeah. and he was already old. I mean, it was like his he last was. legs, he and he was still Dr. J yeah. flying through the air. People don't realize in comics, and John collected comics, there was an ad with Dr. J just going through the air. So a lot of non-basketball kids learned who he was, and that's how I learned who he was. So great call there, Dennis. Now tell me, what do you think of Riley? I think he's great. I mean, he, he's one of the best actors, uh, character actors of all time. Um, you know, he did Broadway and he was awesome. I, I got to see him there uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, yeah, no, he's great. He's perfect, I think, as Jerry Buss. He sure. looks like him. He does look like he him. He does, does look like him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Big John, I yeah. know you're a fan of Jason Siegel and actually met him. Yeah, I did. What do you think of his role as Paul Westhead? I, you know, I I can't, you know, it's hard for me to say because I, I wasn't familiar with Westhead as a person, especially when he first started, right? But he comes across as this insecure, um, driven by doubt sort of guy. And that the only reason he's there uh, with the Lakers at that point is because of Jack McKinney. Because right. he, he was the only one, according to the series, that understood McKinney's vision and I think to me that was also very surprising to me because yes I followed basketball 
at that time, but I was younger and I was basically an ABA fan. I, I loved the, uh, the New York Nets, you know, with Dr. J and, you know, those guys and Bobby Jones and all those guys, right? Um, and, I, and I like my Knicks too, Willis Reed, but I'm talking when I was a kid, right? So that lead up to Showtime, I really wasn't aware of what was going on until it was Showtime with Pat Riley. Uh, and Magic and Kareem and Cooper and those guys. Um, but this series is interesting to me because I'm assuming it's somewhat accurate. Um, Jack McKinney <laughs> being brought on, somewhat, I said, at least in terms of the basketball lineage. McKinney came on, right? And uh, it was interesting to me that he brought Westhead along. Um, and then his tragedy, right? The first season he started coaching the Lakers, Fell off. He was involved in a bicycle accident somehow, fell into a coma. While he was in the coma, they said, okay, we can't wait for him to come back. We don't know if he's coming back. So they they promoted uh, Westfall. And uh, Westhead. Yeah. Westhead. 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 I, I apologize. Westhead. And um, it's, it's interesting to me. So the series right now is right after Westhead took over. So, nice. so I'm interested, but I love the series itself. Jason Siegel does a good job. Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. Uh, at first I was like, was this a good casting decision, Dennis? I don't know if that was, yeah. but at, the more I see him as Riley, the more I can kind of sort of be convinced that he is Pat Riley, you know? Yeah. Um, the Genie Bus uh, portrayal is kind of strange to me i'm not sure quite what they're doing with her character uh the magic johnson one like i never realized he was that much of a poon hound uh oh, like, big time. oh my god no no I, I i knew he was but yeah. i'm saying i didn't understand the level to which he was because oh, yeah. he, was a, he was a good hound even after he got married no no yeah. i i understand <laughs> that i'm not i'm not being pollyannish but what i do mean is that in the series not only is he like catting around but he so far has been treating women pretty crappily in the series. It's not like, oh, oh yeah. I'm sleeping with 20 women. It's like, I'm sleeping with 20 women and I'm treating each one really poorly, you know, like, and you get that sense out of him, you know, and they're trying to build the relationship with him and Cookie to see how that works out. Um, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew Jabbar was moody and he, he carried a chip on his shoulder. Um, but this series also makes him out to be a bad teammate so far you know, that he's a poor teammate. He's very selfish, Dennis. Wouldn't you say so? That he's, uh, well, he, he's not because, positive right now, up until this point right. in the series. Well, it's because there's a different style of play because it was definitely always like feed the post, feed the post. That's right. This was like more open. Uh, I will say Paul Westhead, that portrayal uh, is exaggerated. You know, um, he definitely knew the system. And if you watched all his teams after that, you know, he was definitely like, yelling in their face he's definitely not passive mm. as they portray him to be uh the whole mckinney thing um as far as being a genius yes accident yes um and like not to spoil it because i don't even think they're gonna really do anything uh about it but mckinney was actually fired uh later that season but here's the cool thing about uh dr bus yeah he was friends with the indian uh, Indiana Pacers, Pacers right? Yep. And he was like, "Yo, hire this guy. He's a genius." Right. He hired him. They had their best season ever. 
about the preseason they fired him. But he actually got McKinney a job after he fired him. I thought well, that was really uh, Yeah, cool. I've read, not in the series, but I've read elsewhere that he was racked with guilt, you know, that yeah. when, when he, because he had to fire him, you know, it was right. just a circumstantial firing. He had nothing against him. Right. Um, but, oh, the other thing I want to say, Dennis, that I thought was interesting was how they portrayed the flirtation with Jerry Tarkanian oh, almost yeah. becoming in essence, the Pat Riley of the era. Right. And now right. there's always been those rumors about Tark and the mob in vain, yeah. which they, they show whether it's accurate or not, it was entertaining. I don't think it's accurate. There's I, I a don't, lot of things in this show. I, that I understand. Are not accurate at all. No, and it, it says it, it's not accurate that, at all. I, I right. did a lot of research regarding Jerry Tarkanian. It sure his manager Weiss, the, the name is manager that, that got mm -hmm. shot and killed. It is true. The last time anybody saw him was at that meeting. Mm -hmm. However, he was laundering money for the mob. He right. was skimming off the top and he had about 60K in debt. If you know, so if <laughs> that's why he got shot and killed. And Jerry, to, to cut to the chase, I followed this closely even as a kid because I grew up in North Carolina. I moved, we moved to North Carolina. And North Carolina is basketball country when it sure. comes to college. So in the Running Rebels, remember, Duke was the one that knocked out of the tourney, what was supposedly the greatest college basketball team of history in the Running Rebels and Darkanian. So I follow that. And I'd always get mad being Latino, having moved to the country, the US, the government, the feds, man, Jerry Tark's a, a crook. Truth of the matter is, Jerry Tark was in a town that was filled with crooks. Right. Most people don't understand. Vegas is now conglomerates, Disney or corporate owned, all that. And that started or that ended in the mid nineties, meaning the transition from family owned businesses to the corporations. And the mob wasn't great in that town. And history has shown the mob isn't gonna go to the coach. They're gonna go to that poor player who has never had a dime to his name. And Tarkanian was fighting that. And the reason I now believe the odds of him being involved are slim to none is he sued the NCAA and they said, okay, we're not going to go court. And they settled with him for 2.5 million at the time. Jerry Tarkanian never made a killing like coaches do now. He was in the final okay, so, era. So tell us, sued, him, sued the NCAA for what? Uh, in which huh? for 20 years going after him over and over. And he finally got the money and uh, a million and a half payout i can't remember from where and he used that money to fund his uh suit against the ncaa the ncaa didn't want anything the, the supreme court saved the ncaa the lower court said the ncaa in essence what the lower court said hey you guys have a you guys hear something and you play god and don't give it, it was pretty much a, a cabal of elitists dictating the lower courts ruled that and they ruled for jerry and scotus said no the ncaa has a right to do whatever they want Okay. You know, so eventually down the road, he sued. So I'm not saying he wasn't involved as much as it. it's a lot of innuendos, a lot. I believe what, what he said. He, he There's a quote and when he found out. He told the commission, I told the players, the perception will be damaging to you and damaging to the program. And at the end of the day, the perception of pictures with running rebel players in the pool or, or hot or jacuzzi with with the fixer you know was just too much for him it, it, Tarkane did not even have to be involved it's just those were running rebel players and the other thing is bus's business card wasn't found on on the body of weiss neither and i, I assume that was portrayed and never forget 
John, you should know this best. Why am I preaching to the, to, to, to the preacher here? You know, based, you know, when they say base, it may be based on just the names, you know, well, Hollywood's going to do what Hollywood's going to do. I will say that the series makes it very clear. They, it's very explicit. They go, things have been dramatized here. Right. Based, and the, based the on actual events, right? Right. Now, the good thing about sports sort of things, Dennis, also is that it's very easy to go look up okay, who won that season? Who was coaching that season? Right. So th there's there's facts and things they can dramatize and there's things they can't, right? Mm -hmm. Just because it's too easy to check up on it. Um, <clears throat> but what do you think of the stylistic uh, part of the show? Like I know, wow. listen, uh, full disclosure for everyone, Dennis initially many years ago was a writer with me on, on a show we produced. So, uh, so I, I really, we work very closely together uh, writing, editing videos, editing shows. So I kind of know how he thinks and I think I know his answer, but what do you think of the style of that, the presentation, uh, accuracy aside, what do you feel of the presentation of this miniseries? Uh, it kicks ass. Because Isn't it? Very, yeah, it's great. It's very right? stylistic to like the late 70s, early 80s. Yes. Know? Just the way they cut, sort of the grainy look. Uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. It's, it's like really, it's beautiful to watch. I like it. I think they did a good job style-wise. Oh, the yeah. accuracy, we understand, is going to be off, but yeah, definitely. I thought, I think it's, I'm, I can't wait to see the next episode. Every every Sunday, I'm like, okay, let's let's yeah. tune in, you know, so. Yeah, I, and I'm not going to lie to you, man. Being a basketball guy, I, I'm like, let's see more basketball, man, because it was such a, a fun team to watch. You well, know, especially I, when they get James Worthy in, like you know, a couple of years from uh, from then. Yeah. Well, uh, well, listen, that and I'd love to see a miniseries on the Bad Boys, uh, uh, on the Pistons, and see what happened there. And no, I mean, we had the sixty for sixty with the Bulls. You know, the uh, what was it called? The uh, the Last Dance. The Last Dance. Right, 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 right. Those are documentaries. Though. This is just a yeah. free for all. And, and, and let's, yeah. the rate, the, the the reviews are are killing it in terms of the critics are mixed. Uh, uh, most critics seem to like it. Hey, it's good. It's fun. But the viewers love it. On Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 56 critics as an 84%. So eight out of 10 critics tend to like it. And, and eight out of 10 audience members. Uh, the numbers are their middling numbers, meaning nothing special. They're at a 60 shows are ranked in the 30. However, it seems to be catching steam in terms of the hype and the talk, which is how shows grow. I mean, that, that's what makes, and so episode five, right now they're averaging about uh, 310,000 people watching it on HBO Max. But once the streaming and all that has done, at least for this snapshot mm -hmm. with episode five, they had 1.2 million viewers, which blows away the, 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 the starting numbers. And to me, since it, it's about episode five, meaning that it's picking steam up. Now that said, just, to get off point real quick, in researching this, what I found fascinating was at its peak, Game of Thrones was averaging 44 million people per episode. And, I'm, and you can't compare them, but I just like, whoa. So, so while these may be middling numbers to start, it looks like it's picking up steam. And I, uh, I assume we've got two thumbs up here between you two guys. <laughs> all right, let me say about Game of Thrones. They don't even count all the downloads. That's the most downloaded TV show ever. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that and the Sopranos, probably. Well, no, actually, Game of Thrones. Game actually, of Thrones, this, hands down. 
I, if I'm correct, oh no, no, it was Game of Thrones that shattered the Sopranos 15 million, uh, and then they eventually blew past that. Right, the Game okay. of Thrones just kept building, building because uh, season one started with like a million viewers, and then by the end of the season, it had like three or eight million right. watching it. But it was just, it was, it's kind of like Michael Dell, Bill Gates, Jobs. That's lightning in a bottle. But I'm happy to see basketball getting its due from the 80s and all that. Because what people don't realize, history talks about the hippie era a lot. And then they jump to the 80s, 90s. The 70s was, what was that club in New York City? The disco club there? Studio, no, Studio 54. That they had the big, you remember the collars were big, the bell bottoms. I mean, that was my era. Right? It was yeah. magical. The, the t-shirt with the keep on trucking. I mean, so I love to see this. And even though it was the late 70s, and one thing I am looking for, let me get your guys' final thoughts on this before we close it out, though, was the opening with, with, with Riley is... I read that they did what, what 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 Deadpool has done and done successfully, break down the fourth wall. From what I understand, there's a, the opening scene is every man's wet dream, and then he just turns around and boom, starts talking to the camera to the audience. What do what do you guys think of that? Was it was that phenomenal or or could have done better or what? No, I thought it was a, a nice surprise because you know when you watch a show, you don't really expect that. But when that happened, I was like, oh, that was cool. This was kind of cool right there, you know, because. Then it just like um, uh, makes you more engaged, you know, especially with like, you know, Jerry Buss, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because sometimes the use of the fourth wall, if you use it to breaking the fourth wall, rather, when you use it too much, it becomes a crutch. So it leads to lazy writing. So you don't do character development. You just have the character look at the camera and say, this is why I'm doing this, you know, so but used properly i think it's it's great especially in comedic settings i think it works best in comedic settings uh and and i think they're doing the right the right amount of it you know because magic johnson turns to the camera every so often but it seems that the only two people turning to cameras breaking the fourth wall are bus and magic right dennis i don't think any other character really does it Mm -mm. yeah so that's how you know who the protagonists are right it's it's because they're breaking the fourth wall but yeah I like it. I'm enjoying it. Oh, and one final note in terms of what Dennis would say. Dennis seems to quite understand there in terms of uh, the accuracy, but the NBA has poo-pooed the series. Magic says, I'm not watching it. Jeannie Buss says she's uh, uh, had nothing to do with it. Carol Rothman, who ran the forum, when they sent her the first script, she goes, no. This is, she goes, you're, and the way she said it, you're not portraying Dr. Buss or myself accurately so 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 this so to me this is probably more entertainment but you know sometimes you need that entertainment sure. to give to give something that's not known as pop that's not as popular as other subjects that boosts so any final words dennis on this series oh man i'm just i just like seeing that uh like the, the way they portray women like that now that's shapely you know what i'm saying so uh, that's all i'm gonna say that's <laughs> juicy <laughs> Yeah, this is. Yeah, this, it's, it's, it's you, guys, you guys are yeah. killing my. I, I'm like Magic Johnson right now. Now let me stop. <laughs> you know, and that's probably why. You know, hearing you guys talk because I haven't watched it. And when you guys started talking about how they were portraying Magic, I'm like, that's why he's not watching it. I mean, uh, so there is a special a documentary uh, being produced by Jeannie Buss and a couple of other Lakers people that's going to be on Showtime. So, so, but that's more of a documentary. So, so enjoy your entertainment. And Dennis, 
It's always a pleasure to have you on. We love your insight. We love your candidness. We love your locker room mentality. We love it all. So we, we wish you uh, greatness until we see you next time. And thank you for coming on. And everybody, do not forget to visit Dennis Velasco at his website, dvhoops.com. And check his about section. That's a studly looking man with the Marine look there. I like it. <laughs> thank you it's always fun coming on with you guys and looking forward to talking more nba playoffs when the time comes and the nba draft when the time comes That's so right. thank you again for letting me be on here i appreciate appreciate it mahalo fellas mahalo mahalo everyone thank you for listening i am proud to say this has been one of the best podcasts we have entertaining factual no heated discussion, but disagreements. John, we can't ask for anything more. And this is this is like that contract. This is our baseline to build on. Yeah, what do you and, think? Well, I, I disagree with you slightly. We can ask for more. <laughs> there you go. There's there you always go. room to ask for more. It's like Jello. Success is like Jello, William. You can, there's always room for more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, what about the new hairdo? <laughs> Not one damn word. Come on now. <laughs> oh uh, yes, it's it looks good. I I honestly, to be honest, <laughs> uh, let's let's now let's us break a fourth wall. I'm having trouble seeing you tonight. I'm not wearing glasses. I usually wear glasses for when I'm up close, and I've got a new setup for lighting. So right now I'm being blinded. I'm just assuming uh, I'm looking at you right now. No, John, <laughs> that's the brilliance. I am radiating. That's it. You're radiating brilliance, brother. Everyone, you've been listening to Points on the Board. Do not forget, because we need all the help as a startup company trying to do some good work. Please visit sportsgrumblings.com. And our call to action is to check out our other podcasts and please share them because that's how we'll close. So we bid you a good night, Big John and myself, the conservative Latino. Until next time. Peace.